0: namo more bhagavato serve Bhagawat or a hato, some ma, some buddhasa. No more Seems to me that when one um, comes to meditation or kind of introspection or just kind of reviewing what's happening in one's mind or heart or body at any particular time, a sense of, um, you know, how how am I, it's not necessarily verbalised but something's feeling out, how am I, you know, happy, unhappy, frazzled, relaxed, easy, so forth, and then also what am I in? What do I belong to? What am I connected to? People, environment, circumstances, job, uh, project, um, place. It's very, very broadly speaking the kind of context that we find ourselves living within. And you can see how these things kind of interact. You know? So, on a bad day, when we just had some. All kinds of unpleasant impingements happen. One felt somehow that the particular day today was frustration day. You know, it's in a context nothing really worked or or came together. So I'm sort of sitting in that kind of effect, and I feel fed up. You know, pointless, brassed off, impotent. You know, angry or whatever, or sad or something like that. Or it can be we've had a really nice day. Everything we People spoke to us kindly, um, there was a sense of relaxation, pleasant environment, you know, feeling pretty good. Things could happen, yeah, I'm a winner here. Or at least head up, you know. And two seem to work together. This is probably nothing that new. Uh, but around that, naturally, the lot of our motivation is how can I get what I'm connected to, in a good enough state, so as I can sit in it, be with it. You know, how can I get my place together, my sit, my home, my job, my partners, my relationships, my people, my, get my life together? You know, so it's going to be fortunate. Mm. And it can specify how can I get to the right monastery, which has got the right features in it, none of the nasty features, and nice features in it. View um, the people, you know, just my kind of people, you know, normal people like me, weirdos I end up being stuck with. Um. <laughs> you know, in some ways, some t- moves out. How can I have less of this and more of that? So, it's something is kind of going out there, you know, trying to adjust our context and circumstance, and this is all well and good. Pretty normal thing we're doing, isn't it? It's very busy, actually. Mm. and Although this kind of way of, of assessment or of checking things out well, is pretty natural um, it's not really understood, depth of it isn't really understood what it really means mm. because although we do recognise readily that we're in something, we're connected to something we belong to something if you like, we're permeable you um, don't necessarily realise the the kind of responsibility that that requires, the letting go that that requires. It means I'm going to be able to be open and share, and um, can't just cut things off or cut people off or say you know. There's got to be a sense of openness and sharing with that. Uh, there's got to be ability to let go of a few things, you know, a few little personal angles in order to be with something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. there's a sense that there's got to be some generosity there, some sacrifice some sense of offerings, generosity um, and what can occur is is uh, the whole sense of relationship to one's context is well, you know, how can I make it work for me, which is fair enough really but the way we go about it is we, we take the me as a permanent thing and, and we try to make you know, the world fit what I think I am, or what I feel I am, or the kind of programming that I have, you know, or the kind of attitudes I have, or the kind of um, energies I have, you know, bouncy people, or, or interesting chatty people, or interesting people, or quiet people, or um, you know, things that are intellectually stimulating or things that you get your hands on or things that have got flowers in them or whatever and that's what I really want to be with and so you get this kind of sense of the, the personal programming it becomes something that predominates over our relationship hmm. to, to what, what's on around us and you begin to recognise actually that doesn't work does it you know because what's around us isn't isn't programmed by the thing by me. It's not programmed from this basis. It's it's its own thing. I've got to actually open up to it. I can't expect it to narrow down to me. <laughs> yeah. I can't expect the universe to just be ancient cicada's universe. But the possibility that, you know, instead of trying to make it that way, when I try and sort everything else as it fits my particular taste, maybe I could open this up, this little V bit up, to make it big enough to accommodate, maybe not the entire universe, but the kind of raw material of it, pleasure, pain, ups, downs, you know, that kind of stuff, simple polarities of it. Maybe that would be possible. A bit tricky. <laughs> to um, step outside or to wish to um, step outside or to be bigger than oneself in in a way that isn't about me accumulating something, me opening up and something bigger than myself. That's just even, you know, is that possible? Is it something? Is it possible? What does that mean? You know, Um, and then how would I do it? Could I do it? In fact, it seems to me this is a lot of of what we're trying to do. Most people are trying to find Um, something—you know, belief, religion, partnership, relationship—something that can actually make their life a bit bigger and just themselves richer, fuller. They've just got to kind of live inside their their skulls, inside their skins. They've got something outside they can live in. Otherwise, it gets very alone. It gets very infertile, doesn't it? You know, and there's this, uh, some people do this in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's purely conceptual. This great great mathematician of the last century of Hungarian, he was I've forgotten his name. But he, uh, he just lived for mathematics. His whole life was he recognized the only real person being a human being was to turn um, coffee into mathematics mathematical solutions that was the human being was just about that it was just about basically putting something in this machine in order to produce most illuminating, wonderful mathematical theorems and um, which he did. he did his brilliant things. he the rest of his life he didn 't care about it. he just lived in, had two suitcases that was it. He just wandered around and dumped himself on people who'd look after him because he was so brilliant. That he got so sort of exasperating because brilliant people generally are exasperating <laughs> and then he'd move on somewhere else and he'd get prizes and he'd give the money away because he wasn't interested in money but he just lived for theorems and that was his bigger sense and it was his whole energy, his sense of purpose his vitality was kind out of opening into this wonderful world of theory um, intellectual delight Buddhism—they probably say, you know, that's going to where's that re, where's it going to be reborn? You know, because uh, this really is the the um, whole kind of point of it is uh, most of our our search for something outside is searching search into something that will actually be or become or have. We don't necessarily think like that, and and in Buddhism you, you can do this. You know, certainly you can do. There are better things to become, but the uh, deepest understanding in the Buddha is actually, you know, you, you, can, you can you can extend or come into something where you don't have to become something. Because once you be, once you, you, whenever you take birth, whatever you see yourself as being, you know, high, low, you can look at in this life, you know, whatever you have become, then you're in the same situation as you, yourself, in a context that you're trying to relate to or be part of or unfold into, and it just, like, it's a continual, repeating pattern, that we've probably all been through, in, in many different ways, you know, when you first go to school and you, where the other people are, how to get on in this situation and then you with your parents and you kind of open up to that and your friends and you how can I fit in here and then your um, marriages or how is this going to work and, you know, something is we doing that kind of thing and we find, yeah, now I'm this and yeah, but you know, there's still a kind of, bit of a problematic quality to it, isn't there? Um, there's new there's new things that we find don't quite fit us or suit us or we feel a bit confused by and we might find that, think well basically the problem is I've got the wrong wrong place, the wrong situation the wrong person, the wrong job and yeah there's, there's better and worse obviously in that but fundamentally you kind of see this repeating pattern you know right? Is it just me who's always getting, you know, the wrong size Wellington boot? Is it me who's <laughs> always finding that they're getting their fingers, getting their fingers in a, stuck in a door, or they can't find things, they lose their car keys? Is it just me who finds that the, mach- the machinery they've got to make their lives easier just drives nuts with its complexities? <laughs> this is going to make me kind of happier and more enriched, and it's just winding me up. Is it just me who does, or is it? How does that happen? You know, <coughs> to be with a group of people, you know, something wants to be with a group of people. And yet there's always something problem there. You know, it's going to be in some larger sense. But there's always some kind of, you know, misunderstanding, sense of loss, sense of separation, feeling of discord going on. You can just kind of sort all this out and get to the place where you could just really, you know and uh this is what the becoming thing is about and uh, it's it's always the seed of it is 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 the kind of blueprint of the sense of what i am tries to extend into something bigger you you know so in a way what we're doing is we're trying to you know you know make our context fit ourselves in some way and uh, really you know the the most skillful thing is to find it could it be be done, could it be another way because if I keep, even if I succeed in making my context fit myself then, which it does temporarily, because it wouldn't do it, Have you ever noticed in practice how it's never quite enough, good enough, fair enough, pleasant enough, peaceful enough, happy enough, joyful enough, clear enough, vigorous enough, for very long before something goes wrong with it. Partly because those contexts themselves are, are dynamic, they shift and change, by themselves, you know, even if they're fairly inanimate things like like machines, they age and break down if they're like people, they break down a lot more often um, <laughs> you know, just because they're in a dynamic process themselves so they can't actually hold the blueprint of what i projected onto them and of course, when it comes down to it, what's even more um, fundamental is, I'm a dynamic process, I'm shifting and changing and um, you know the things that fitted me suited me. One time don't suit me now. I don't even notice them. So we've actually, got these kind of two dynamics going on. This is the whole realm of, of karma of becoming. It's like this. Yeah. So it's just like two apparently two spinning wheels that never kind of meet and touch and actually affect each other a lot but never really merge or coalesce. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we begin to see that. Yeah. So you can go to one either position One either you say well I really want to try and make myself fit this particular set of incidents and events you know which in a way means kind of cobbling bits on and chopping bits off of me. Or alternatively, I can make this situation fit me, which means cobbling bits on, chopping bits off, or trying to freeze it or hold it. So there's that kind of tension, isn't there? And sometimes we think, oh, the problem is this all there. And sometimes we think, oh, the problem is something wrong with me. Yeah. And actually, in uh, this is what's called um, self view or wrong view. The wrong view is that we don't really know fully what what birth is, what we've been born into. We don't know. We don't really understand that. We think I've been born. I am here. Um, it's me, I've been born, and this has been that's been created. That's the way it seems. Actually. Uh, uh, Buddha's awakening is to recognize there is birth, there is a whole kind of dynamic field which is continually like, like the ocean just forming these waves. There's a way called me. So the me wave comes up. And struggles on continually in its own process and changing and shifting its wave as it moves along, tumbling along and eventually it kind of crashes and disintegrates, you know. So it both has a uh, you know, a, a seeming continuity for a period of time, and then also in every moment it's kind of shifting. It's going in certain repeated patterns. And there's a particular kind of dynamic field, a field of, of becoming, that's going to be throwing up these forms. And the waves are never actually separate from the whole field of becoming. But, of course, it, when you're at the crest of it, it, it feels like that. You know, because the energies are slightly different, and uh, one. So, when we don't understand this, then we're either you know, we're str- either struggling with ourselves to make ourselves fit, you know, make myself a better person or more acceptable or whatever, or we're struggling with a context to make it fit. Now, it might seem that then uh, that there's no, nothing we can do about it, really. You know, that's, that's it. That's where we are. But the Buddha's understanding is by penetrating and understanding birth and becoming, you actually begin to, or well, there is an attunement, there is an awareness of a larger sense, which is not about becoming and birth coming in birth in fact are a kind of stirring up into into this dynamic, into this kind of active, reactive, creative birth death experience. They're stirring up something bigger than that. And you could actually there could be an awareness and opening up into that. We could actually get bigger than the universe. <laughs> Which is what of course the enlightened ones do. So they fully understand the arising of the cosmos They fully understand the the process of the cosmos and they fully understand the ceasing of it. Which is big talk, isn't it? But you're looking at it not purely in a a kind of separative physical way but the whole process of world, context, our personal worlds our little galaxies that we live in whatever form they take, they're using it in a very kind of Iconic sense of universe, of world. And so there's a penetration of that. Uh, Recognising that you know, what what is born is fundamentally not separate, but it's distinct. There is a way of living in harmony with what's been born and become. And this is what's called good karma. And there's also a way of, based upon that living in harmony with it, actually relinquishing a lot of the wrong energies, the antagonistic, the acquisitive, the demanding, the um, negative, aversion energies, the greed energies. It's relinquishing those so you get into much more compassionate, renouncing renunciate, letting go, ability to let go, ability to be equanimous, so you actually can start to live in harmony with the world of becoming once then then you know, that's one level of it, which is good, you know, it's struggle but good. Um, means you've got to do a lot quite a lot of work on softening up and opening up and for you know, cultivation. But that that really is, is the is the foothold or the which you can, from the place you then your mind is no longer in such a tight, agitated N- you know, reactive sense. Then it's possible to actually penetrate or realize or awaken to um, the unbecome. The two processes are yeah. linked. This is called good karma, and good karma is simplified as there is generosity, there is offering, there is the value of sacrifice. It means it when so this generosity means you know something for other people for you which means at that particular moment i'm not asking for anything for you from you you know i'm not saying i actually just want to give something whether you like it or not you don't have to receive it but because there's some sense in which um you know i'm relating to my to the context around me in a way that's that's uh, undemanding not manipulative, uh, not, um, isn't trying to make it fit me. I just want to enhance it, make it, you know do something for that. there is offering the sense of making offerings, openness and sacrifice I mean, quite to let go you know, to, to relinquish for the sake of others or just to develop that particular function of of the will. I can tolerate. I can relinquish. I can put aside. This is good karma. And we have to be recognized this is what a a Buddha teaches, an awakened being teaches. Because it's that which we cultivate it skillfully, the sense of trust, it does mean that, that I'm going to feel more in, in harmony with what's around me whether people in harmony with me is, is of course their own business but I won't be feeling um, defensive uh, acquisitive um, negative yeah, about, about the situation I'm in so, so ease up a bit and essentially, if we, when we cultivate like this, you begin to, you're really attuned to that. You can feel something in the mind feels more relaxed and peace than if I'm saying, is this going to be, make me feel good? Um, are you going to make me happy? Am I getting a good deal here? You know, that kind of mind, which once, once you get into that mindset, then, yeah, sure, it's, you can look at things in that way. <clears> then <throat> you can you can tot it up, make the sum totals, but just you know, at the end of the day, all you're ever going to get to really is is a some good, some bad, probably not good enough situation, because the the mindset is not really based upon um, this good karma. It's based upon self-view. For me, what's in it for me? <clears throat> So that's always going to be something that you just practice it. You know, if I find out you know what happens. If one that never contented. Uh, and I think it's also important to recognise. You know, it's not just me being generous, but there is generosity, there is sacrifice. There are other people doing this. It's not that I'm some special, you know, wonderful being. But actually, this is. Uh, a, a, a tune we can all play and we can all live in and we all have been in it to some extent. We've all experienced generosity, we know what it means. We all experience other people letting go and saying, Fine, well, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, follow that or please let me help or I'll put aside my project for you, something like that. Well, oh, that's, that's good that's good. You know, it's not just I'm getting what I want, but it seems we drop from a place of separation and negotiation and deals and disputes and demarcation lines and who's getting better here into something that's like more, you know, trust and sharing and humanity in a in a better sense. And of course, you know, once you, you you get this presented as a teaching, you, you know, we think, well. Generosity—that means—is me rattling the cup. Want something out of me? Sacrifice—it means I've got to let go to him, you know. So this kind of, you know, you can one can feel these things as, as perhaps being um, biased, but actually, um, just to to recognise. This is something we can do, something other people do, something I can do. And if I do that genuinely, I feel better. Other people may misuse that or not. That's, of course, um, you know, it's up to them, really. Mm. But I don't want to feel defensive. I don't want to feel... Uh, paranoid. I don't want to feel like I'm sussing everybody out. It's how much I can get out of them, whether they're going to do me a good deal or not. I'd like to just trust it. And I feel better like that. I feel a bit more open like that. And it really—it's that sense of uh, the bottom line of it—is—is is the, the that you know whatever happens on a kind of material level of win, lose, or draw, on a kind of level of one's own energies. Yeah. I feel a sort of sense of i been a bit more open. You know, I've touched into a stream of something that I really uh, respect and feel good with. Mm. I've come out of the little me state to something a bit bigger. And uh, you know, just to experience it feel well I don't know why it feels better maybe but it does feel better, it feels more sane and peaceful and less guarded and less judgmental and less comparative you know how much has she got how much has he got what kind of deal do we have here that kind of thing just let go of that because we can certainly recognize in this becoming universe then it is like that there are bigger and shorter Fatter and thinner, stronger and weaker, prettier and not so pretty, you know, and so on and so on and so on, wealthy and not so wealthy, uh, and so on and so on and so on. You know. And uh, you, when one keeps looking at it like that, you know, you, one's looking at something that, yeah, yeah, that's true, but, you know, you're looking, His mind is staying at a level which is always going to experience aggravation and grief, you know, comparative. And the sense of oneself gets, gets more and more intense and encapsulated and uh, aggrieved or defended or something like that. And you get this kind of sense of a hardness and a, and a, and a density to your, to your being. To really unfold, you know, breathe out, unfold, trust it. So often, uh, you know, to to be able to do that, of course, itself is an advantage. I can really understand situations where one wouldn't want to do it or wouldn 't feel safe enough, so safety is one thing. Nobody going to do a number on me. Um, so here we get precepts, a good karma being in a, in a situation which values and determines precepts very important and taking refuge so there's some, actually a you know, simple thing like taking refuge, which is something that I see much more as a kind of attuning what particular things I'm going to, be, going to be looking out for in myself and when I'm awake when I'm really valuing my awakeness and whether I'm valuing something else whether I'm valuing my thoughts whether I'm, whether I'm really valuing that which can watch my thoughts whether I really value my activities and what I'm doing and, be, and having or that I actually value This was done from a good place, you know. I wasn't doing this from impatience, you know, compulsion. I was doing this from a good, balanced place. I was doing it from a refuge place, you know, in terms of Dhamma, that which is skillful. Um, So I was trying to see my life in those terms. And then when it comes to meditation, on a kind of, you know, on a micro level, we sit, what am I sitting in? You know, sometimes this is almost um, in, in a monastery or in a shrine, you're almost like a, a physical paradigm is, is presented of that. You actually have it you know, brought out as a physical thing. You're sitting in a place with a lot of space, uh, it's quiet, it's, uh, it's cool, it's, it's, it's calming. There's a sense of focus on the Buddha, brightness, offering, shrine, beauty. You deliberately make a connection to that. You encourage people just to go and offer some incense. You know, it's nothing, you don't have to. A feeling of, I'm taking refuge. You know, me particularly, I can be with that, I'm in that. It's a way of kind of connecting to that sense of, it's not somewhere else, it's not somebody else's stuff. You know, this is something that I'm in. Uh, in, in that particular sense of, of awakening or attuning to the Buddha, the lineage, the qualities of humanity that are enlightened, peaceful, awakened, bright, joyful, generous. yeah. And there is that, and there's something that in me. I uh, sit in that. I can sit in my busy mind, my frantic mind, my complaining mind, my whatever mind, or I could sit in this and you know when I actually have it out there I want to sit in that even if I've got to listen to this stuff in my mind but I'm going to listen to it from that place I'm going to listen to it from my larger sense my refuge sense rather than my me mind fix it sort it stop it be another way sense you yeah. which is one way to you can sit and wind yourself up in meditation you yeah. know to, to sit in something bigger than just the shut up, stop it, eat on the other way, you know, thing going on, parrot on your shoulder. <laughs> so, certainly, you know, a monastery or a shrine or Dhamma centers try to make that something you can see and physically experience. I really recommend, you know, wherever you are that you have some place you can go or a corner, even if it's a cupboard you can sit in. <laughs> or a tree or something, which, you know, touches that, you know, oh, yeah, you know. even it's Pavlovian, you know, and you sit there and it makes you feel good, but it's to to, to just tune in on another channel, and um, you can bring it down to kind of much more um, subtle level, like actually, what, what does your body feel, you yeah. know, do you feel you've got Carrying, do your body feel tense? You know. So maybe your eyes know you're sitting in a good place, but your body doesn't. And so you really sit and you connect to the ground. Yeah, it's firm under there. You can really—it's going to carry me. I don't have to hold myself up from my shoulders. You know, I can drop into that. And, yeah. and um, there's nobody's getting on my case. There's nothing behind me. Plenty of space. And there's nothing about to do something jumping at me in front of me, so plenty of space in front of me, and just start to get the body to really feel that, because quite a lot of the time, on a kind of somatic level, our bodies are quite tense or shocked or jangled up by, you know, by what happens by the events of the day, by things we've seen and heard, things coming at us all the time, or things that weighing on us all the time. And the language is quite significant. You say he's on my back. It doesn't say he's on my fingertip or on my knee. He's on my you're on my back. Actually, you're not on my back. Why does it feel like that? Mm-hmm. Because that's what tends to happen. You know, you get the sense of <coughs> your shoulders weight down, yeah. And then, or be like being open hearted, where you feel you front of your body can open up because there's nothing to kind of protect yourself you have to defend yourself against or brace yourself against you know the next clashing thing so the body seems to actually organise itself in that way you do get these strong defence grip patterns that occur that have an energetic effect so when you sit and take refuge what I do? if I do nothing else but that Sometimes there's nothing else I can do but that. It's just to actually, you know, open up, sit in a nice space, get, get the things off my back, get the demons off my back, you know. Get the spears out of my, my chest, get the knives out of my guts, <laughs> get the hands from around my throat. <laughs> I tell you, it's you as bad in here. <laughs> You know the kind of tight band around your forehead. You know, like somebody's kind of got those. Somebody's kind of one t- of your torturers was the to crushing steel band around your head and you're tightening it up. You can feel your eyes popping out. Did you forget those? <laughs> come on. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> or whatever it is. You know, the pumping in the heart, the knotting in the stomach, uh, just to come out of that. So in a way, really, not just taking refuge as a formula or thinking, well, I did that five years ago. But actually, every time you sit down and then really getting, feeling it, you know, now there's something around me that's going to hold me and uh, be there, you know. I've got to kind of worry about it, keep it going. And you know even though it 's just a suggestion, it always does something to the body 's energies so you become less contracted, and that has quite an effect on the mind because the mind and the on the emotive level on the felt feeling level, the mind is very much connected to the body they share the same energy so when your body relaxes, your mind begins to relax. This is in fact you know the sequence that the Buddha taught in establish right view you take precepts and then you just get your body to relax and then your mind calms down you put it in that particular way so you're trying to calm your mind down or sort or get your mind sorted out when your body is is distressed or stale or tight is just really difficult you yeah. know you can only just you can maybe press it down but it doesn't it doesn't rest so it's really important I find to just to spend some time loosening, generating a space which feels steady you sit in it. It can be, of course, the case that it doesn't feel tense, but actually feels really lost, groundless, like a fog or um, spinning. And then it's important to get a sense of the, the firmness of the body connecting to the ground, the spine, steadiness, So you you actually can use these body energies to generate that sense of here is a good place for me. And it's actually not the physical place, even though the physical place can represent it. It's a kind of a quality of energy. There's nothing so magical about a particular situation. Apart from the energies that uh, people are bringing into it, you yeah. know, and you're attuned to that. Okay. It becomes possible then to really, you know, ask oneself in a quiet way, just, what's happening? The basic mindset you know, there may be all kinds of of states and moods going on, flurry of them, and they have the, once you focus on them, they tend to have the ability to mesmerise, someone worries about them or delights in them or thinks about them or reacts to them or so forth. But to, to actually sense them on an energetic level, see what I mean, is really a question of just asking yourself, you know, how does it how does it feel? And there's probably, you know, two, two or a reference you can make a couple of reference. One, is, it's generally things are generally either too much or not enough. You know, so it's a sense of I've got a lot to do, and I'm busy, and a lot of things happening. And, you know, it's it done on time. People are getting on me. You know, it's kind of. Oh, you know, I'd like, like some more space. Actually, yeah. Or it can be, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, what am I supposed to be doing here? What's going on? Where am I? What, you know, not enough. I'm hungry. I'm desolate. I'm you know, not getting enough. You know? And that's the. These are the. If you like the two tones of of the mind when it's when it's not in finding balance. You know, you either sw- swing way well or the other way. And then normally, of course, what we tend to do is we're feeling things a bit too much, we want some space, you know, empty out. Then we will find a context that will do that for us. So go for a walk, get some fresh air, you know. Get away from here. Hmm? Get out. You know. Or maybe, you know, go and find somebody I can unload a bit on, clear a bit out on. You know, we will refer to something else, you know, the take that helps us to 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 um, come out of that state. We seem to really refer to a bigger the context, the bigger context, in order to to come out of the pressure. And we do this. You know, I'm sure we all do this, this somewhere or another. Same thing with not enough. You know, trying to find something that is going to pick me up. Somebody's going to cheer me up. Somebody's going to fill me up. Somebody's going to fill me up. We use our context like that in meditation you don't have the same opportunity seemingly but you can you do it much more directly rather than relate particularly specific to the physical or even the emotional relate to the sense of of awareness so awareness or knowingness or buddha um, is, is the thing that is the quality that that's, can contemplate or be with or relate to or empathize with, listen to the, uh, the moods, the mindset that's going on. And uh, the beauty of it is, it's always here, it's always available where you can get to that. And it's about, uh, once one begins to recognise that, it's not that you don't have to do anything or make it work, but it's really some sense in which you uh, you can sort of actually just acknowledge in simple terms, without trying to fix anything or analyse anything or blame anything, you know, I'm a bit cooked. You know, and then what would it be like to not be cooked, you know, Yeah, Some sense in which you, instead of just being in your thing and then acting from that place and finding out who did it and why and what you can do about it and so forth just right now, what would you be like out of that? Or what, what, you know, is there a bigger sense I can unfold into? And sometimes it's actually related to your body that is, you can find you're really up in your head. So is it, let's I just felt out my feet right now, or the whole body. You know, a sense of the energy shifts. You've got some tightness in your, in your stomach or something. You just go to the larger sense of the body, the hands, the fingers, the feet, stand, open up. And just shifting the body energy can cause the mind to shift like that. Very often, what's needed is that our sense of awareness has to be imbued with compassion, empathy, non judgment. We can say, accepting myself as I am, something like that. But I like to think of it much more as a larger entity because we think of accepting myself as I am, we can easily misinterpret that as means, you know. I'm gonna just be what I am. Rather than be the acceptance, I'm gonna be the (laughs) the self in it. So this is what I am and you don't like it and so forth, that's the way it's tough luck. Which isn't really acceptance, it's justification. (laughs) You're attaching to it. But to have a sense of well this is this is the way I am right now and there's a bigger sense around that that I liken it rather to, you know, when you come to somewhere new and you go, well, This is a funny place. It's curious. I wonder how that works. I wonder who lives here. And every time you go somewhere, like this, it's wonderful, isn't it? You feel a sense of space and interest and so forth. And, and uh, you know, so perhaps when you, when you, business, and you come here, it's rather like that. Oh, look at that. Wow, space. Interesting, curious, wonderful. And then when you live here, it's like, you see, they didn't clean the ablutions block properly today. Who's lost the keys? There's a dent in the car. What about the boiler? When is it going to get fixed? You get into little kind of bits of it, and you get into those little bits of it. And you wound up with it. <laughs> you kind of, you know, you find yourself localizing on some particular feature, or this person. You know what he did or didn't do, or she never does, or he always does. You know, you kind of tighten up around that thing, and uh, and you do the same thing yourself. I'm so grumpy, touchy, irritable. And you get that kind of locking. Well I get out of here. Somewhere I can just more space. So much going on. But why do we always we fill up space, don't we? With that kind of energy that homes in. First of all, you've kind of in a state of perhaps openness, and you start to know something, familiarise, opinionate, develop a view around attached to, and the whole thing shuts down. Other people's places are always wonderful, you know? Your own place is always, and you know, fix that, sort that, that's got ruin, you know, vet and those, no and ho-hum, and the same thing with the mind, sometimes, you know, God, me again, shut up, when am I to get out of my stuff? bring him over and let go. You know, other people are, oh, look at that. That's funny, isn't it? I'm curious. I wonder who he is. She is. And as you get to know him, oh, he's doing his number again. <laughs> you, know, that's, it's gradually, you know, the sense of openness kind of contracts without with the more we attach to it. And the it's, it's an attachment is not something you deliberately do, it's a kind of like a process that, that comes around this seeking to, to find something in one's environment. Yeah. And so, the sense of letting go is, is how to be curious and wonderful all the time by not seeking anything, finding anything, making it anything. Just, oh, look at that. You know? And uh, you know, you can do that to yourself. So wonder who lives in this body? Look at that. Amazing. Yeah, you can get you can get some pattern there. Fancy being interested in that. Do you ever go back to your to your room and wonder who lives there? Think, look around. Think, I wonder who lives here. A funny person. Look, that's his hat. What funny little socks he's got. What's in this drawer? Goodness me! Fancy keeping that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or is it just go back in the? In- oh, there we are again. Blah, blah, blah. But it's a sense—a sense, a sense of, of, you know, curiosity. It's wonder, appreciation. Just that we're not actually owning it and making it something or fixing it or anything. You just kind of. Letting go of it, and yet being with it. Do you see what I mean? You know, and then something, some bigger sense of one's context arises. And you relate to it from a larger place, a much more cool, empathic place. You can certainly resonate with it and appreciate it, even delight in it. See the curiosity. You don't get the same sense of you know, gripping, feeling oppressed by it. Holding it, worrying about it, panicking with it, you know, saying it's better than this, just every place, every day is really something like that. Because it kind of, to my mind, it's a sense of almost developing a width of, of vision, a width of appreciation, a certain distance, which is not about separation, it's actually getting back enough to not get that same kind of energies that are about holding and making it and changing it and fixing it and this way and that way and then, then actually sort of trying to engage on that level which is well let's see this is, feels good this feels like a generous thing to do or a letting go of thing to do let's just work with that rather than I've got to do get the best thing going you know got to get it done on time but what happens if I just Yeah, give some energy that way and see how it goes. It feels, to me, that feels a lot more harmonious. And um, I try to teach from that place. I haven't really got a whole lot of things I want to make happen. But then everything one does can in a way be this continual dropping into the larger, opening into the larger, being in the larger sense. It's empathic, it's aware, it's uh, non-acquisitive, it's not defensive. It surprises me. I feel a sense of humour towards myself when I'm when I actually review review from that place. <laughs> sense of lightness about it. And I recognize this it seems to me this is this is um, a really interesting dimension to begin to attune to. There is this dimension and that it starts to accommodate my experiences, myself, internally, the context around me. Um, And when I lose it, then things definitely start to, pressure builds up. Things don't feel good you start to feel tired and I can do that I can actually you know, go to that larger sense maybe this is what the Buddha was talking about because in that there's no real need to have anything or become anything or you know, you know. and yet it doesn't mean you can't do anything but you're doing it from a kind of you know harmonious giving place, loving place, empathic place. And you you don't, the suffering drops. Things are not too much, things are not not enough, they're just, uh, your heart starts to come outside of that particular um, level, you know. And I can sense actually, this is, is, is something that uh, most of us do. You know, sometimes we don't do it consciously, sometimes it just seems to happen, sometimes we do it in a, a moment. But all good dhammas seem to go that way. Whenever anybody is loving or generous or lets go, it seems to be that's what's happening, you know, the, bottom, the baseline of it. All good karma leads to that and i can only you know recognize that uh, and honor that and ask us all to to recollect it Anyone? Andamayan Dhamma Gathaya Sadhu Karan Se Sama